Let's uh, turn to Genesis chapter 23, and we're continuing on in our uh, Genesis reading. So let's start from verse 1. Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath Arba in the land of Canaan, and Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. He said, I am a foreigner and stranger among you. Sell me some property for burial site here so I can bury my dead. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Sir, listen to us. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will refuse you his tomb for burying your dead. Then Abraham rose and bowed down before the people of the land, the Hittites. He said to them, If you are willing to let me bury my dead, then listen to me and intercede with Ephron, son of Zohor, on my behalf, so he will send me the cave of Mechpelah, which belongs to him and is at the end of this field, and ask him to sell it to me for the full price as a burial site among you. And uh, it just goes on. We can skip down to verse 12. Again, Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephron in hearing, Listen to me, if you will, I will pay the, pro the, the price of the field, accept it from me, so I can bury my dead there. Ephron, Ephron answered Abraham, Listen to me. My lord, the land is worth 400 shekels of silver, but what is, what is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham agreed to Ephron's terms and weighed out the, for him the price he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels. Oh, apologies. I got signed out. I don't know why it does that. It signs me out mid-like... So, so random. Hmm? Is it coronavirus? Um, okay, continuing on, uh, verse 17. So Ephron's field in Mechpelah near Mamre, both the field of the cave and it, and all the trees within the borders of the field is deeded to Abraham as his property in the presence of the Hittite who had come to the gate of the city. Afterward, Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave in the field of Mechpelah near Mamre, which is at Hebron in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave in it were deeded to Abraham by the Hittites as a burial site. Um, <clears throat> this is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> so what's interesting about this passage is uh, it mentions Sarah, you know, Abraham's wife, uh, and her passing. A um, couple, couple tidbits here. For as much as uh, Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, uh, is celebrated, um, nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the scriptures, are we told to look to Mary, the mother of Jesus, as an example. <laughs> so she, I'm not saying she's not an example. I mean, yeah, I'm, there's certainly... Uh, um, her faith is expressed, her obedience, uh, in, in the things that she obeyed God and obviously birthed uh, the Lord. Um, and, and there are a handful of places where you can draw examples and, and principles. Um, but nowhere in the Bible does it actually say, like, be like, you know, Mary. Whereas in the scriptures, uh, it does mention twice that we're to look to Sarah as such an example, Isaiah 51 and 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, 
Another interesting tidbit, if you've never heard this before, is Sarah is the only woman in the Bible whose age at death is recorded. So it just kind of points to some of the significance uh, of this woman of faith. And, and, and you're thinking, when you hear something like this, but it's true about anyone in the scriptures, right? You're like, oh, but I can think of the places where Sarah made mistakes, <laughs> right? Uh, where, where, you know, she and Abraham um, didn't walk in obedience or had doubt. But what I love about the scriptures and what I love about Hebrews chapter 11, uh, if you've never heard this before, Hebrews chapter 11 is, in my opinion, like the hall of fame of faith. You know, like if you, if you follow a certain sport, wherever it is, in any country, uh, at the end of a celebrated career, those athletes with the best statistics and awards uh, end up in some form of, uh, 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 you know, celebrated enshrinement. You know, like the, the Hall of Fame of baseball or the Hall of Fame of, of football. Um, and so they'll have all the best players, all the best, you know, stories and examples. And so Hebrews 11 is, is the Hall of Fame for, you know, what I call for the Bible. I call it the Hall of Fame. I actually, we had a VBS. I think I was um, a senior in high school, first year in college, and we did a VBS. And uh, I, I was the teacher for, um, you know, one whole class of about maybe 15 kids. I think they were like maybe first graders or something. It's crazy, huh? When you grow up in a multi-generational church, it's the youth in the college that do the VBS. And so we have like, I think like a full week of training during the summer, like Monday through Friday, you know, morning to afternoon, lunch provided. And they give you workshop and teaching and how to, you know, the theme and the, and the songs. And, you, and then 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids are leading classes for a whole week for VBS, Vacation Bible School. Um... And, uh, why, why am I talking about VBS? Someone help me out. <laughs> what was I? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, sorry. Um, I actually, my, my theme for my class was the Hall of Faith. And so I had all the Bible characters drawn out and I would teach the kids. And, and what's, what's, what I love about the scriptures, what I love about Hebrews 11 but really to me is a, is a glimpse or a picture of God's, how in the end he sees it. But not just in the end, I actually think all throughout how he sees it. And, you know, everyone that's mentioned in Hebrews 11, and, and the reason why I mentioned that here, uh, Genesis 23, is, yeah, you think of Moses, you think of Abraham, you think of, uh, uh, Elijah, you think, you know, they all had issues. Moses murdered someone. David was uh, uh, an adulterer. Uh, Elijah was, you know, uh, uh, suffered depression. You know what I mean? They, they all had shortcomings. Everyone made mistakes. But what I love about Hebrews 11, it, is o it only talks about their faith. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Moses did this. By faith, Noah and I remember reading that as a, as, a, as a teenager or as a, you know, young adult in early 20s and thinking, yeah, but all these guys like totally screwed up. How, how, can, how can it just be forgotten, you know? Um, and there certainly are lessons and things to be drawn from. And this, this is what I found out. Listen, this is what I found out, okay? And this is going to be a huge boost and encouragement. 
God sees you in the absolute best light. You have to believe this. God sees you right now in the absolute best light. You know, there's that golden hour, if you guys are into photography, right? There's this golden hour right between like four and like six before the sun goes down where it's just perfect. That's why all the wedding photos um, are, are done around that hour because it's perfect lighting. It's that golden hour where you don't get a lot of shadow cast on your face. When the, when the, if you've ever taken a photo and the, and the sun is high noon or two or any, you know, depending on where you are, you, half your face is going to be black, right? Because the light is here and the shade casts here. So this side, when you take a photo, it just doesn't come out good, right? I'm sure you, you, you all know that. Golden hour, in, it's, it's this perfect hue, it's this perfect light, and you just get this really great cast and you, know, you want to capture that photo. You want to, that's the one you want to photo frame, whether it's a family photo, whether it's a solo photo, whether it's a, the wedding photo that lasts forever, the beauty, right? God sees you in the best light. I'm not making this stuff up. Because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, not because of our righteousness, not because of our will, not because of our merit or goodness, simply, purely by the fact of what Jesus has done on the cross, by his blood shed for us, that's the lens, that's the lighting by which God sees you. You are seen in perfect light because of what Christ has done. God sees us in the best light. And so, you know, we make mistakes. Um, we, we stumble, you know, uh, you know, we sin. And the enemy pounces and takes that opportunity to, to draw us down and say, you're not worth it. You know, you're, 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 you're this, you're that. That's casting that shadow. That's saying you're not this, you're not that, you're not forgiven, you're not loved. And one of the greatest things you can do for yourself is to remind yourself, especially when we've stumbled or fallen or sinned, that that's not how God sees me. God sees me in perfect light. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely loved. Uh, um, I have room to grow. Uh, uh, you know, there are things I need to work on. But absolutely seen uh, in, in God's light. And so, uh, um, because of Jesus, because of what he's done on the cross, we're forgiven. It's one of the greatest weapons or tools of faith that I can say is, of the many faith arsenal and mixes of gifts in my bag, <laughs> I can say it's, it's like numero uno. It's the one I, I, I employ the most. Bad day of parenting, bad day of husbanding, bad day of pastoring, right? Many, many of these days. And struggle with it a bit. Wake up the next morning, I can be better today than I was yesterday. Right? God loves me. Man, I can be better today than I was yesterday. I may see myself in this light. Others may see me in this light, you know, exposed, obvious. But God doesn't see me in that light, right? God absolutely forgives me, absolutely loves me. So when I draw that to 23, same thing. You know, uh, I, can, I can think of a handful of places where Sarah maybe could have done or said, but the scriptures have the final say. God has the final say. Uh, twice in the scriptures does it say 
to look to Sarah as a model and example in the two scriptures that I've given you. Um, uh, and she's recorded in that place. So I think that's quite fascinating. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit, just link very briefly from Genesis chapter 22, and then also back here to 23. Um, if you were here a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that um, uh, uh, Abraham reached out his knife, you know, and was going to slaughter uh, Isaac. And, and most commentary theologians, based off of New Testament reference of this account, it actually says Abraham had incredible faith. Abraham totally believed that if God is the one, after all these years of promising Abraham a child, that if he were to sacrifice Isaac, the scriptures tells us that the type, this is the type of faith Abraham had. The type of faith that Abraham had was even if he lost it, God could restore it. Even if, as insane as it sounds, God says to surrender it, Abraham believed that in time God could restore it. Right? The, the, the definition of despair or, uh, uh, you know, is, is, is hopelessness. The idea that you are in a position right now or a situation that will never change. That's, that's despair. That's like, like, I'm going to be like this forever. Nothing's going to change. The moment hope or the possibility that God might be able to do something is taken out, that's despair. That's depression. That's, that's hopelessness. That's like, woe is me. And Abraham doesn't do that. As desperate and as insane a situation as the terms presented, he absolutely believed that God could bring back to life Isaac, as crazy as that is. You know, if you don't know, um, this is a common practice among, among, among religions and deities of that time. Human sacrifice is, is a common practice. It's what other religions and other gods do. And what God is saying here, and so that's why Abraham is like, oh, I guess God is just like any other God. I, I'm for sure he's God. I have no question about that. He, he's proven himself to be God. But I guess he's not like I thought. I guess, he's, I guess he's like all the other gods. So if God, who is real, no question about it, is asking me to sacrifice, then, then there must be a reason. You know, and he's God and I'm not. And so just complete blind faith. He, go, he goes, but the, the whole point here for God is to say, no, I'm not like other gods. Other gods demand that, you know, human sacrifice, a uh, 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 merit, by your own power, by your own merit, do you attain to certain, a certain status? Of, God is saying, no, I'm not like other gods. No, you don't sacrifice your kids. I'm going to sacrifice my son. I'm going to pay the full price. And then you can respond in love, not out of obligation. Right? We do a lot of things in church out of obligation. Come on, church, right? If we're not careful, we do most things for God out of obligation. God says, that's not the type of relationship I want with you. I don't want you to be my, my, my slave. I don't want you to do it because you have to do it. I want you to do it because you want to do it. How do I know that you're doing it because you want to do it, not because you have to do it? Because I paid the full price. You don't owe me anything. If you love me, you can do it. That's it. You don't owe me anything. You couldn't pay me back anyways. 
the, the cost is too high. But if you believe that I love you, and that kindness leads us to repentance, leads you to believe, leads you to want to love me, then we're talking. Then we got something. Then we can do things together. Right? And that's, that's, but that's the whole process of discipleship. That's the whole process of spiritual formation. It's, it's, um, uh, 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 you know, it, it's, it's understanding that. And, and, and so God's saying, I'm not, I'm not like the other gods. Um, I, I don't want slaves and, and just servants. I want sons and daughters. Uh, this is the whole orphan spirit, right? Uh, this is the whole prodigal son. Both prodigal sons, by the way, right? The older brother and the younger. Um, we all have thresholds, right? We, you know, it, 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 it rears its head the first time, may, may come out ugly, but in time you, you come to recognize it. Right? It's good to be self-aware where our, our thresholds are. Um, you know, when, when I was asked by Pastor Sam Song if, if we would consider going to uh, Beijing to plant a church, you know, I don't, some of you guys know this, but I, I, you know, Annie and I didn't want to go. You know, Pastor Chris, who's a uh, lay pastor, um, you know, I had him over for steak out on Robinson Road in Hong Kong near Banham Strand and he came over and really liked him. I still do. <laughs> uh, cooking a mistake and he comes in while I'm cooking the steak and he goes, hey, just uh, want to throw this out there, you know. Amy and I are thinking about moving to Beijing and, you know, would you think about coming to Beijing and, and uh, church planting, planting a church with us? And I was just about to flip my steak, very focused. And I said, um, Actually, no. <laughs> and then I closed the slide door because I didn't want the smoke to come out. Um, it, I, I prayed six months. Six months. And my heart was not in it. And there were all these reasons why I didn't want to go. But the number one reason was um, I had you know three young children. And I had lived there before. And I know how insane the pollution is. It, it, I think it's much better now. It's insane. Like... I had legitimate like concerns for their health. Um, and so six months prayed, asked God, felt nothing, right? And after six months, one morning after EMP, just knelt down, prayed, and I just felt the presence of God and I just broke down and started crying. It was, a, it was a whole bag or mix of emotions, right? One was, I promised God that if he ever asked me for anything, that I would do it, <laughs> right? So, and that was like, maybe, I was 21 when I made that promise. And uh, now I'm 31, so that was about 10 years, you know, earlier. And, and I knew, you know, you just know, like, yeah, this is not, I have to, I'm forced to, but I actually want to, but... It's not easy. Two, I knew that, yeah, there, there could be adverse effects on, on the, you know, I just had a newborn, Renee was just born, um, pollution and things like that. And not only that, but Hong Kong was amazing. <laughs> I lo absolutely love Hong Kong. Uh, SP Hong Kong at that time was like 100 people. You know, even back then I was like, man, this church is going places. And like, I'm only the associate pastor. This is awesome, man. I'm not going anywhere, right? Um, 
and you know starting over and all that and but but the the main thing was the pollution thing and, and I remember that morning praying and you know having to lay my kids on the altar and, and I remember thinking these three things I remember I know God that and I was dialoguing with them and, 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 and I felt the Lord told me said I know Lord that you can protect my kids I know that you have the power to literally supernaturally create an invisible atmosphere so that no matter where they go right scientifically I can't understand it but they're not they're not affected like they're like like, like a hamster a spiritual hamster ball wherever they go no matter how bad it is God has the power to protect them from harm amen if God can heal and raise the dead my goodness not being affected by pollution easy right I absolutely said, yeah, God can totally do that. I absolutely believe that. Of course he can do that. Yeah, my kids are going to be okay. And then, and then I dialogued some more and I said, you know what? Even if at a young age they're affected, respiratory issues, and they do get some adverse effects, right? Let's say, let's say they don't, for whatever reason, I have to trust God, they don't get protected, right? And they do get affected. And they have eczema or, or respiratory issues, like, 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 you know, legit, you know, diagnosed. And, and then God told me, even then, I could heal them. So, so that was another layer. I was like, yeah, even if something bad happens and even if they get sick, these, you know, kids that I love and I want to protect, it's my job. Do I believe that God has the ability to heal them if they get sick in this way? And I said, yeah, absolutely, of course. Of course God can heal them. And that would be an incredible testimony, in fact. Yeah, this, why, why would I let this stop me from o- obeying and taking a step of faith? And then third, this was, this is, actually, this was the part I cried. Because up to then, I was like, yeah, faith, faith, faith. Right? And then the third thing the Lord asked me is, is when, when, I, it was when I kind of broke down and just, just weeping before God. And... and um, and, and, and the question kind of processes, what if, what if none of those, what, what, if, what if I don't protect them, right? What if they get sick and I don't heal them? Would I still go? And, and, I, and I said, you know, I think this is a spirit kind of prompting and, you know what, so what? Let's, what if they get sick? What if they only live to 60 and not to 80? Because of a decision I made in obedience to go, right? I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, it's quite extreme, quite dramatic, <laughs> you know. But what if, what if, as a result of obeying God, my kids, right, only live to sixty and not to eighty? That, that's that's legit. And even then, I thought, man, sixty years of life in obedience and faithfulness to God is better than eighty years not living in faith or obedience to God. I said, I'll take the 60. And that's when I, I'm going to Beijing. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the next day I told PCM, hey, I got the green light, like Annie and I, we're, you know, we're good to go. It was, it was hard. It took me six months. This, 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 this is, there's nothing more important than family, you know. But I, I went through this process and, 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 you know, we all have thresholds. We all have unspoken lines I'll follow you God but 
And it's good to know where those thresholds, where those lines are. Uh, what I would encourage is peel back those layers. It's much deeper. There are roots. There, there's questions. Why? Why not? Or why can't? And then answer that question for yourself and then see if it's in alignment. I, I think it's really good. Um, and so let me wrap up by saying this this morning. For Abraham, the promise, the multiplication, uh, father of many generations, you know, all these things, God's going to bless you with possession. God's going to bless you with this uh, a great reward. Um, scriptures, commentaries, theologians, this is what they say about Abraham. For all the promises God made to him about all the blessings, this might be the only piece of property he owned. This lot of grave for his wife. For all the promises that God said you're going to be blessed, father of nations in all this place. A father of nations need Needs, needs land, right? Uh, uh, tons of kids and nations of what? Of, of the air, <laughs> right? So for all the, the projected possibilities of what God's blessing meant, at the end, all Abraham had was this deed of land for burial and a promise from God. And at this point, you know, one, one seed. And so, this is this is what this text says. Um, Abraham figured something out along the way. Along the way with his journey with God, and all the promises, and all the ups and downs, and all the triumphs and shortcomings, and this whole journey, Abraham figured something out that we all need to figure out. That God's presence is always greater than the promise or the promised land. What you want is the presence. If you're gonna go for broke, go for the presence. That, it's all in that. It's all in the relationship. And um, Abraham is mentioned in the New Testament as well that he had a greater possession, that he had a greater target or hope Right? And that was heaven. His promised land was the promised presence, was, was God himself. And if he had that, then he had everything. Amen? Let's, let's bow our heads um, as we prepare our hearts for worship. God's presence is greater than the promised land. Right? Can we just say that in our hearts? God's presence is even greater than the promise. What God promises is eternal life and life abundant. And that life is found in His Son, Jesus. There can be nothing greater than your devotion to the Father and to the Son. There must be nothing greater. You must identify your hidden lines or thresholds that must be presented before the cross. You must ask yourself why, why, why not? Why can't God? 
Couldn't God do this? Of course He can do that. But what if He doesn't? Is He still worthy? At the end of the day, listen, Abraham didn't have a whole lot to show for all the incredible promises God made. But somewhere down the line, Abraham figured out that God's presence is the promise, that God's presence is greater than any material thing that he could provide. And so this morning, just come before the Lord and say, Lord, I need more of you, God, more of you, more of your presence. Lord, I've, I've attached my sense of value for, towards you or for myself based on some object. Lord, would you help me identify what that object is? And then, Lord, would you help cut that umbilical cord? And then, Lord, would you give me faith to believe that anything is possible? That anything is possible. Greater is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Greater is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Greater is 50 years living for God than a hundred years living for yourself. Greater is 60 years of your children walking in obedience and following you and how you follow God than a hundred years in providing for them and all the, you know, all, all these things, right? Greater is a life of singleness devoted to God than a life of marriage, you know, divided elsewhere. Greater is a life of marriage without kids and following the Lord in obedience than a life of many kids not walking in obedience, right? Where is that line? Where is that threshold? Just come before the Lord this morning. Nothing is impossible. God, this life is a gift. I don't think we have as much time as you think you have. I don't think you have as much time as we think we have. Whether we're 20, whether we're 40, whether we're 60. Man, let's live our breath. Let's live our lives for the Lord. Let's rededicate. Let's recommit. There's nothing that God has given us that He is not worthy to be given back. Everything we have is from Him. He's worthy of all of it. So Lord, we just come before You. We just thank You, God. We say and declare that You are worthy. Lord, we've all, I've made mistakes. I've made so many mistakes. And it's so life-giving to know that you do not define me by my mistakes. You do not see me in the light that I see myself. You do not see me in the light that others. You see me in the light of Christ, your son, perfection, love, beauty, hope, growth, possibilities, infinity. God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Today, I will see myself in the light that you see me in. That's awesome. Today is a new day, a new hope a new beginning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.